exclusive stories behind music that helped shape and change pop culture. With award-winning broadcaster and best-selling author Jesse Dillon and special guest Spencer Proffer, you are inside the music. This is Jesse Dillon. You are coast-to-coast and worldwide today, dialed into Inside the Music with Spencer Proffer. Spencer Proffer is a visionary, uh, totally out-of-the-box thinking kind of dude, a pioneer. Spencer, you know, your projects have won Grammys, they've won Emmys, they've won Academies. I'm just thrilled to be able to share some mic time with you, bro. But I want to go back to the early days in 1968, UCLA. You're a young kid. You got a demo that Gary Lewis and the Playboys recorded. Tell me about the vibe in California and Spencer in the UCLA days going back to 68. Oh, man. Well, hi, uh, Jesse. Good to talk to you. Um, 68, my hair was down to my shoulders. I was very involved with the SDS protesting the war at UCLA in a little band with a buddy of mine who went on to go to med school. And we were writing our own melodies to Beatle uh, lyrics, our own lyrics to Beatle melodies. We won a talent contest called Spring Sing, and we got a demo deal with Capitol Records. And in that, we had created a song called Picture Postcard that one of the people connected was friends with a guy named Snuff Garrett, who was Gary Lewis's producer. Gary Lewis had just had a number one song with this diamond ring, and he happened to play this demo to Snuff who said, holy, <clears throat> this is really cool. It's fun. It's silly. It could be a big hit for Gary. So lo and behold, poor Spencer, whose dad fixed sewing machines and who you know was just strumming on his guitar, went to a recording session at Liberty Studios in Los Angeles and watched Gary Lewis and the Playboys <laughs> record a song called Picture Postcard during the days when everybody was protesting on Sunset and, you know, we were all a bunch of hippie radicals. I used to love Gary Lewis and the Playboys. This Diamond Ring, what else did they have out? Very few other hits between... Oh, listen to the rhythm of the falling rain. Nice. Did you like your song that was your first demo that they recorded? Well, they copied my demo, Note for Note, which said to me, very young, one day when I grow up, maybe I'll produce something, because if somebody's going to jack my ideas, you know, and copy it and get paid royalties, where all I got were some songwriter royalties, yeah, I liked it because it sounded like my demo. Okay. So that's 1968. That's Spencer Proffer, UCLA Days. How did you bump into one of the greatest producers of all time, Clive Davis? How'd that happen? Well, Clive was one of the greatest record men of all time. And Clive was running CBS Records, which was in a true renaissance period. Clive having, you know, brought to the label people like Janis Joplin and Santana, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Chicago, Dylan, Simon and Garfunkel. And I was signed with my buddy in a little trio we had called Proffer, Marmel, Zad, and Reed to a recording contract, which was paying my tuition while I was in grad school, law school. And I did very well. I was editor of Law Review, executive editor. I was published. I was in the top 2% of my class. And Clive got wind of that through people who knew people who knew people. And I actually got offered a job in my second year of school to either come to work for him and really learn the business, or he would pick up my option to make another record, because I co-wrote, produced, and arranged all of my young recordings. 
I couldn't sing worth a damn. I took the job. So my first job out of school, I took the bar, I passed it, and I moved to New York at 23, was working as a shadow for the legendary Clive, who I have infinite respect for to this day. Now you're 26 years old. You put Tina Turner into the Who's monster adaptation of Tommy and Acid Queen. Talk to me a little bit about that. How'd that come about? Well, it came about because after I left CBS, moved back to Los Angeles a couple of years later, um, I became worldwide head of creative, head of A&R at United Artists. And United Artists, owned by Transamerica, was the label that Ike and Tina Turner were signed to. And I'd gone to an Ike and Tina concert uh, when they opened for the Stones back in 74. And man, was she hot. She was rocking. And I saw a demographic that was way broader than the records that Ike was making for her. So I had met Pete Townsend years earlier when I worked for Clive. And I had gotten wind through Mike Medavoy, who was the head of the film company, that they were doing, Ken Russell was doing an adaptation of Tommy. And I, Mike and I said, how, and I was trying to figure out what to do with Tina as a uh, solo artist outside of the Ike and Tina review. And Mike said, you know, let's see if we can get her an audition to be play the role of the Acid Queen in the Tommy movie because he was really hip and on top of what was going on. <laughs> and I thought, well, if we can get her that role, making an English rock and roll album with her would open up that demo that I saw when she was opening for the Stones. And that's kind of how it evolved. I played guitar on it. I worked on it with Ike and a couple of guys that worked for me at the company. And it was a glorious experience because Tina is the real deal. She's, she's the real deal, period. And it was a glorious, for a 26-year-old punk, it was a great time for me. You are coast to coast worldwide listening to Inside the Music with me, Jesse Dillon, and Spencer Proffer. Here's Tina Turner, Inside the Music.
inside the music. 